What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Dimling here with y'all. As always, before we get going here, remember you can listen to the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts. You can also watch on YouTube as well. You can connect with us on social media, at Lacrosse Bucket, on Twitter, slash X, Facebook, and Instagram. Happy Tuesday to everybody. Our first Tuesday, you know, week episode here um, of the season. Recording this before, uh, recording this actually Monday, before the Colgate-Syracuse game, so we'll not get to that. On today's episode, we'll talk about that uh, and some of these Tuesday games, uh, Boston U and uh, St. Joseph's and Johns Hopkins and Towson. We'll talk about some of those games on Thursday, as we also will preview uh, three games for the weekend to preview on Thursday. We'll get to today on today's episode. Do you want to hit first and foremost on a couple of things from the weekend that I did not get to hit on on Sunday's episode. Things I maybe hadn't seen as of yet, uh, but then as looking further and looking deeper at Saturday's results, some things that popped out to me, also some of Sunday results as well that we'll get to on today's episode. As I said, getting today's episode underway, we'll be doing a little weekend rewind, rewinding things back to the weekend that was tying a bow on week zero of the 2024 college lacrosse season. Let's first go to some Sunday results. Mosa beating Hampton 20-5. The Bears move to 1-1 one one on the season. Uh, the first team to play two games this year as they played High Point on Saturday and then Hampton on Sunday. Stony Brook with a nice come-from-behind win against Sacred Heart, 17-14. A bit more on that in a second. Uh, Providence with a 12-6 win over Holy Cross and you might look at that and say, oh, six-goal win. Maybe a bit more surprising than you would think. Wasn't so much. I mean, this was a 10-2 game at half. Providence kind of calls the dogs off, and Toy Cross gets some things late. Um, a big day for Ryan Bell for Providence. Five goals, two assists for seven points in here. Jack Ford again with, with four, uh, four and one as well there. James Corsanti, 13 saves, 68% save percentage for Providence in this one. And then you had Quinn Mc, uh, McConaughey go 71% at the dot for Providence. Really not much of a problem here for the Flyers as they start the season 1-0 and with that win over Holy Cross. Excuse me. You had Sacred Heart and Stony Brook in a game that I thought was 
pretty interesting on Sunday. And this has been a series that's been pretty interesting. Uh, they've played each of the past three years, 21, 22. Excuse me, each of the past three of the past four years they've played. 2021, 2022, and 2024. It's been a pretty close game each and every time here. Sacred Heart in this one actually led 10-6 to at the half. A big eight-goal second quarter there for Sacred Heart. Um, and w w when you look at this Sacred Heart offense and their production there, Morgan O'Reilly, Seven goals, two assists for nine points on the day. One of the best individual stat lines we've seen offensively this season through one weekend. Sal Micchio, two goals, five assists. He crosses the, I believe the 100-goal mark in his career there at Sacred Heart. So those two combining for 16 points on the day. Big days for them there, you had in cage Alex Pazania, eight saves for Sacred Heart, Jameson McElhan, 16 saves, a really good day for him there uh, for Stony Brook as the Seawolves. Again, as I said, great come from behind win there. Nick Dupas uh, transferred in from UMBC last year, three goals, five assists for him, eight-point day there. Blake Berlin, another guy who transferred in formerly at LIU, came in last year, three goals, two assists, uh, four points for him, and Dylan Palinetti, three goals, one assist, as well as Jack Doherty, same stat line there. So four goals for each of those guys there. A Sunbrook offense that uh, looked pretty productive, especially when they got into their rhythm in the second half and, and, and able to get ahead and pull away as uh, you would expect them to in this one. Chris Obsido, pretty good day at the faceoff dot for him as well. This is a study work team good in many different areas of the game. Lost the ground ball battle 33-28. Uh, cleared the ball 19-21, for 21, so a solid day there. Sacred Heart did win the battle, though, at the faceoff dot, 21-14 overall. A tight battle there, but they do get the benefit of the doubt there. One thing to watch here with Stony Brook, from this game at least, 5 and 4 on extra man opportunities total. They had 5 of them. They converted on 4 of them there. So... A good day for Stony Brook there on the man up as they can convert in some of those opportunities. And a lot of them came in the second half. That's including two early in the third that really helped to get them going. Got it within one. Helped to spark some things there. Uh, they had two in the fourth as well, uh, which helped them to continue to build upon that lead. So a good start here for Stony Brook. Was impressed with what I saw from Sacred Heart. We'll see how things manifest itself there. Stony Brook, a team that many looking at here in the CAA as a potential contender, potential team that can knock off Delaware, that can, you know, best Towson, that can 
will get to the top of the CAA as they should be expected to. So a, a team to watch for sure there in the CAA, starting things off with a win. Second off, a team I didn't really have my eyes on, but an interesting start for them. Played Stony Brook a lot better than I thought they would have. We'll see how things manifest itself in that regard. Next and last thing I want to talk about here from the weekend is Merrimack 14, Bucknell 10. I didn't have this game circled really at all. Coming into the weekend, I didn't really have it on my radar. I knew it was being played, had it in the schedule, uh, but didn't, didn't think much about it. Uh, Merrimack 14, Bucknell 10. Merrimack gets the win. I think it's a solid win here for, for Merrimack in this one, and, and something I, I, I think is interesting in this one or, or, or notable about this one is the way in which this Merrimack defense played. I went back and watched this one on Sunday. This Merrimack defense played pretty freaking good there. Um, so you have a stretch of game here from the 632 mark to the 654 mark. Nearly a 15-minute stretch, nearly an entire quarter stretch where Merrimack holds Bucknell off the board. And conversely, Merrimack puts up seven unanswered goals in that time. They pull ahead 11-4 to at the 6.54 mark of the third quarter. During that stretch, Merrimack goes 6-7 for seven at the faceoff dot. They didn't win the battle on the day, but they did in that stretch there. The Warriors also held Bucknell to just four shots during that 15-minute time frame. And they had six cause turnovers in that stretch as well. A couple of them coming off the face-off, but majority of them coming on uh, the back end from this defense. You had Henry Voigt with 10 saves in cage for Merrimack. He's been a very capable goalie for them throughout his career, continuing that cue in 2024. At least to start, Sam Walsh, 12 ground balls, uh, two cause turnovers. Joe Conley, two ground balls, two cause turnovers to lead what I thought was a really good defensive effort, not just through that little stretch there, 15-minute stretch, but throughout this game here for, for Merrimack. And when you watch it, Conley, a guy that really stood out, his physicality, able to meet his match, able to win his matchup, put the ball on the carpet, and get things going for that transition offense, get things going towards the other end of the field. Impressive defensive display here from Merrimack in this game, and an impressive win for them. This is a Bucknell team that I know they were down last year. Uh, they had a good 2022, didn't have a great 2023. They've got some good offensive players. Connor Davis had five goals in this one. Uh, a good win here for Merrimack to start things off. Merrimack on the day. Some you know, final stats here to button things up here. Merrimack, 17, uh, 16 caused turnovers, 30 ground balls. They held Bucknell to 31% shooting on the day. Eight of Merrimack's goals came on possessions, which began with a caused turnover. Again, 16 caused turnovers for Merrimack. In this game, a couple of them did come on the face-off wings and face-off scrums, whatever, where Bucknell would possess, get it in, and then immediately 
it's going the other way. But you did have a number of them there uh, coming on the in six on six sets on the defensive end as well. So a good start to the season here for Merrimack and a good start to the season here for Sacred Heart. Uh, last thing, I said this was the last one, but I completely forgot. Do you want to mention Rutgers real quick? Ross Scott, Dante Coolis, we talked about on Sunday, five points each in that game. John Sidorsky, uh, who was previously at Lehigh, uh, had two goals to assist against his former team uh, there uh, as Rutgers gets the 14-12 win over Lehigh. I was impressed you know, watching this one back. I was impressed with, with Rutgers being able to, how they responded. And that's a lot of what you see, I think, um, early in the season is, at least for me, I, I see a team early in the year in February get down. I see a team kind of get beat up a little bit early on, and, and Rutgers did do that. Lehigh, I think, jumped out to a 5-2 lead at one point in this one where it was 5-3, but they were up at one point in this game. Rutgers is able to fight back and fight through this. You see the experience of some of these guys now here, Dante Kulis being you know, a junior, for Ross Scott, a guy who, who's been there, who's tenured there, um, for Knobloch, Amon, a lot of these guys who are more veteran players. Defensively for Rutgers, there's some work to be done for sure. Um, and I want to see how that continues to progress itself. Um, Lehigh, I was pretty impressed with what they were able to do, the energy they came out with with Will Scudder as their head coach with this offense. I mentioned on on, on uh, Saturday night's show, Andrew Kelly, four goals for them. Uh, you had some younger guys, EJ Vasil, Grant Rodney, getting some good minutes there. Scott Cole, two goals on the day. They're leading returning top returning scorer from a year ago. Looking at Rutgers, you know, out the next couple of weeks, they've got at Stony Brook, which could be a tough one, and they've also got uh, games against Army and at Loyola to end the month of February. So things don't get easier here um, for the Scarlet Knights, and you can say the same here for Lehigh at Fairfield this week. That's a game I would think they could win. Then they're at Cornell. That's going to be a tough, a big test there. CJ Coast and, and, and the Big Red in their season opener. You're at Dartmouth to end the month of February. Dartmouth with Sean, new head coach Sean Cohen. That's a team that you cannot sleep on anymore um, as they've been improving over the past couple of years. And, and we'll see how they continue to do that, how they continue to look here under first-year head coach. Sean Cohen, the Dartmouth Big Green, uh, but Lehigh playing them to end the month of February. So uh, both these teams was was impressed with with aspects of them. Um, we'll see how things move forward here for both Rutgers and Lehigh. Uh, Rutgers certainly a team in, in in the top twenty to start the season. Lehigh a team that you know uh, could potentially push themselves into there, especially with some of these uh, games they have in non-conference play. Villanova, I believe, is their game to begin the month of March. You've also got some big competition there 
in the Patriot League and, and a solid showing there for Bill Scudder's squad in a, in a loss in his first game as head coach. Rutgers 14, Lehigh 12. That is how we will put a bow on week zero of the 2024 college lacrosse season. Let's shift gears here now and uh, move from the opening weekend of the season to the second weekend of the season, which will be week one of the college lacrosse season. The uh, games that we will have previewed on this podcast here over the next couple of days, today's show on Tuesday, and Thursday's show will get Penn State, Villanova, Maryland, Loyola, Georgetown, Hopkins, Virginia, and Michigan, as well as Army and UMass will also touch on Denver and Air Force to an extent, and uh, among some others as well, but those are the main ones that we will be uh, hitting on in a, in, in a formal preview uh, setting here on this podcast today, hitting on Penn State and Villanova, as well as Maryland and Loyola. So let's get into those games right here and right now. Penn State and Villanova. Penn State had a horrible loss on Saturday. A horrific loss. Penn State had a game on Saturday where they lost 13-12 to Colgate. Number four, Penn State losing to an unranked Colgate. Penn State committed 25 turnovers in that loss. They went 70% in the clearing game. Jack Flacion made just seven saves in that contest. They were 0-5 on the man up. The few bright spots that they had there was Chase Mullins at the faceoff dot, doing pretty well there. And you had Kyle Lehman uh, with three goals, one assist in his freshman debut. You had TJ Malone with one goal and seven assists in that one. You're going to quarter the quarterback of that offense there, if you will. What? The, I, I, everyone knows what the storyline coming into this game is going to be. By the way, it's the opener for Villanova. We'll get to Villanova here in a second. The storyline for this game is going to be, can Penn State bounce back? Can Penn State soak up what they can from that game on Saturday? Can they soak that up, spit it out, throw it as far away as they can, welcome in Villanova on Saturday, and come out on the other side with a win? Come out on the other side with a win. And a win that will mean something. Villanova is no slouch. Villanova is not ranked in the top 20. But they're a team that at some point this year very well could be. They're a team that is going to very well be in the hunt for the Big East title. They're a team that is going to be in the hunt to be a spoiler in the Big East as they have in a number of years. This is a good team. It's a respectable team. Is a team that the past couple years has been arguably the second best team in the Big East, right there behind Georgetown. 
Villanova is a team that you never want to sleep on. They're a team that you never want to count out. Now, they do have some questions. They do have some questions. And we'll talk about that here in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. What does this offense look like? Matt Campbell's gone. Patrick Daly's gone. Austin Frazier's gone. Your top three players are gone. Matt Campbell had 62 points for you last year. 37 goals, 25 assists. Patrick Daly was your top uh, goal scorer. 40 goals, 8 assists on the season. Austin, Austin Frazier, 24 goals, 18 assists. You do get back Mason Real for a fifth season. 18 goals, 9 assists last year. He had 6 man-up goals, by the way, for them last season. Very good on in that regard. Matt Licata is also back as a senior. 24 goals, 15 assists last year. 30% shooting percentage. You've got two solid options there that are veteran pieces that you return. You've also got some younger guys back from last season. Luke Layman there, who was a sophomore. Uh, Tyler Bowes, another guy that was a sophomore for them last season. Uh, you also lose Will Vitton in cage. It's a big question mark defensively, as well as losing Chet Camizio. No more Camizios there at Villanova. I know most of the Big East is thanking God right now for that. This is going to be interesting to see how this Villanova team looks in many different areas. Now, you look uh, defensively for them, I still think, even without Will Vinton, this is still a pretty formidable group. You look at Trip Robinson, who was a very good LSM for them last season as a uh, sophomore. David Evancheck uh, was a standout freshman last season. His, uh, his older brother was, was a strong defenseman at Penn. He's now getting things done there at Villanova. He's back, obviously. You've got Lee Colwell back uh, de defensively also. Uh, was a preseason honorable uh, mention. Uh, All-American was first-team All-Big East guy last season. This guy can play. You've got some pieces there defensively that I think it's going to be interesting in terms of a matchup perspective. And something that we, 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 we saw from Penn State on Saturday was the depth issues, or possible depth issues, I should say. Don't draw conclusions from week one, week two. Um, but Lehman and, and Malone were the only guys that really stepped up and, and, and took things on there. Granted, it was a horrible game for that entire team, uh, maybe besides Chase Mullins. But is this a this is a defense that can challenge this Penn State offense and this Penn State attack unit? And I think especially so if they end up being as thin maybe as some people suggest or want to make out that they could be. Now, that's not to say that they can't grow depth as the season goes along. That's certainly possible, um, and, and you hope that's possible if you're Penn State, especially with some of these younger guys as they work their way in. But that's something to watch in this one. The battle that I'm going to be watching or the thing I'm going to be watching, well, let me put it this way. There's two things I'm going to be watching 
most and foremost in this game. And this is probably the game I'm going to be tuned into mostly um, on Saturday. This one's at noon. All of these games almost are, are at noon, these big games. Virginia, Michigan uh, is a big one I'm going to be tuned into. Either have that one on the TV or this one on the TV. But two things I'm going to be watching most importantly in this game. Number one, from a matchup perspective, this face-off guy. Justin Coppola returns for Villanova. I would go as far to say he's their biggest impact returner on this team. Went 55% at the face-off dot last season. A guy who I've been uh, a, a big fan of throughout his career. A guy who just continues to improve year over year, which is what you want to see. He's done very well for himself uh, there at Villanova. He is a guy, I said, you know, 55% last year, was 58% the year before, 52% in 2021, and that shortened season was 44%. He has experience, he's been good, and he's been good against comparable competition. He was 12-27 against Denver in that semifinal game last season where they lost 11 for 24 against Georgetown uh, in their season finale. Last season went 15 for 28 uh, there against Penn State in a game that Villanova won. If you remember that, they beat Penn State last season uh, and you had Coppola go 15 for 28 against taking one face off against Chase Mullins, mostly going up against Hudson Bond. So this will be really the first time that we see a Mullins-Coppola battle, and I think it could be one that is pretty, pretty tight, is pretty competitive from start to finish, and, and, and is something that could in part define this game. And if if one way that could certainly define this game is if this Penn State defense looks like, well, I don't know what other way to put it, Swiss cheese once again. They did on Saturday uh, to many, at many points. If this Villanova offense comes out and they're able to move the ball, they're able to, get Penn State to mess up, they're able to get them out of rhythm, out of sync, they're able to beat their man one-on-one, -on -one. they're able to find backside, they're able to get off-ball looks and convert them. And if Faceon is as he was on Saturday, Villanova's going to win this game, folks. Now, I'm picking Penn State to win this game. I'm picking Penn State to win this game because I believe Penn State can bounce back. I believe Penn State is the better team, and I believe they can bounce back, and I believe they can win this game. But this is going to be a challenge, and this is going to be, if not one of the most competitive games of a weekend of extremely games that you expect to be extremely, extremely competitive. So I'm picking Penn State in this one, but again, how does this Penn State offense fare 
against this Villanova defense, and what impact do we see from the faceoff dot in terms of what that battle looks like between Coppola and Mullins, and also what does winning that battle necessarily mean in the long run? So a lot of interesting things to look at there within this matchup. Uh, Penn State welcoming in Villanova at high noon on Saturday. Moving to the great state of Maryland here, we have got the Maryland Terrapins welcoming in the Loyola Greyhounds in this one. Maryland is coming off a double overtime win against Richmond, where it looked a lot like February lacrosse, especially early on for Maryland. Their defense had some miscommunication issues. Their uh, defense allowed some really good off-ball looks for Richmond. Uh, had some misrotations. Got some open lanes for Richmond. And Richmond capitalized to their credit, and they never, ever, ever went away, as you would expect it from a team that's always prepared and is always pretty good as Richmond is and the defense like they have as well. Now, the Maryland defense did eventually settle in and was kind of the strong point of that game. Uh, Logan, and, 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 and I think, is the strength of this team once again. Logan McNaney had 13 saves in that game. You had Ajax Zapatello with one ground ball, two caused turnovers. Colin Burlace and Jackson Canfield uh, rounding out that close defense. You had Nick Alviti getting the start there with LSM. Colin Sharkey at the defensive midfield spot. And then uh, is it, uh, McDonald there also playing uh, at that defensive spot, uh, d d defensive midfield spot as well. Luke Wheelman, 58% at the faceoff dot. Maryland is going to own that battle uh, on Saturday. Uh, Loyola did everything right except for win faceoffs against Georgetown on on, on, on Saturday, and they win 18-10 over Georgetown. Evan James, 56 goals, uh, 56, Evan James, 5 goals and 4 assists in this one for 9 points. Adam Poitras, 4 goals and 1 assist in this one. Davis Lindsay, some other, uh, Matthew Minicus, some other guys getting into the mix there as well. Luke Stout with 11 saves there for Loyola to answer uh, to, to anchor what was a, a, a pretty good defensive performance there for them in that one. Uh, if so, so this is a game last year that Loyola won. And we, we pull this up real quick, what the actual score of that one was. Loyola won this game last year 12-7 in the opener. 12-7 in the opener. No Eric Malver for Maryland. And Logan McNaney got injured late in that game. Daniel Kelly had four goals in this game for Loyola last season. Evan James had a hat trick for Loyola. Excuse me, did I say that wrong? Daniel Kelly had four goals for Maryland last season in this game. Evan James had a hat trick for Loyola in this game. This is a game where you saw the Loyola defense really show its teeth. I don't believe Loyola has a defense as aggressive as they did a year ago. 
as rounded, as well-rounded, I should say, as they did a year ago. But it's still one that is and should be pretty good, as they typically do have some pretty decent defenses there year in and year out. And they've got a great goalie to backstop things once again here. As I said, Luke Wheelman, and I'm, I'm cycling this 100 times over, is going to win the battle to face off top. The thing that's going to define this game is, I think, so a couple things. One, I want to see this Maryland offense get into the flow of things quicker than they did. I want to see Maryland's offense get more uh, fluidity to it. I want to see them move off ball better. I want to see them move the ball better. Uh, I don't want to sit and watch paint dry like we did for a, a bit of that game on Saturday. Not going to say the whole game was like that, but there was points when, when, when you said, you said, man, am I watching lacrosse or am I watching paint dry? And you, you remember, yeah, I'm watching Maryland lacrosse right now, and this is an offense where they don't necessarily have an alpha. Getting guys back in there. Mulver coming back into the fold there, obviously. Um, so we'll see how things round out in that position. I think they should be better. I would. I expect improvement for them. I don't expect them to have that kind of performance they did on Saturday the rest of this season. If you think they will, I, I don't know what to say about that. Um, I'm also interested in, in, in Loyola offensively from this perspective. The Georgetown defense they played on Saturday is a newer defense. Wesley Chairs is a graduate transfer. Ty Banks is a guy who's a freshman, very, very talented freshman uh, at pole, as is Anderson Moore, a talented freshman in cage. This is a, 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 a Georgetown defense that is very much finding its way together finding its glue, finding its fluidity. Loyola put 18 on them in the open. Is that a question, is that a function of Loyola's offense being that good? Or is it a function of Georgetown's defense not being ready to defend that? Or not being ready or not being in sync enough or in tune enough to defend against that. Which is it? Are we going to find the answer to that on Saturday? Possibly. Are we going to find a definitive answer to it on Saturday, though? Probably not. It's probably going to take a couple of weeks. Maybe a month. But, we do get to see Loyola go up against what I think will probably be Looking at the schedule here, yes. Probably be the best defense they face all season until they play Army. How does this de how does this offense respond to that? How do they play against that? Uh, this battle, the Loyola attack unit especially, versus this Maryland coach defense, is the matchup, is the battle I'm watching in this game, and is... The battle is the matchup that could very well define this game. I'm picking Maryland to win in this one. All right, folks, that is it for today's episode. As always, y'all can 
connect with us on social media at lacrosse bucket on Twitter slash X, Facebook and Instagram. You can listen to the Lacrosse Bucket podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. You can also watch on YouTube as well, lacrossebucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season. Again, thank you all for tuning in today. We'll be back on Thursday. Until then, have a great rest of the week, and God bless.